What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage? Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich, but you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Citizens of Lorcana podcast. A podcast where we invite you to be a part of their world. We're your host, Jared and James, and today we're talking about set one reprints. So without further ado, let's jump into the episode. Hey everyone, welcome, welcome to another week. Last week we talked about FOMO, which was actually a pretty good discussion. So if you missed that, make sure to go back and check it out. This week we are talking about set one and set two reprints. We are once again joined by by the one and only Eric Schweitzer of The Gamer. How's it going, Eric? Welcome, my little Lumineers, the ASMR episode of Citizens of Orcana. Uh, nobody told me we were going to be doing ASMR for this. <laughs> <laughs> hi. Hi, hi, friends. It's uh, good to see you again. You too, man. Yeah, it's what's, always uh, what's fun new? when we have you on. What am I, a three-peat? Three-peat. First three-peat. A jacket or something next time, or...? Uh, you get our appreciation. I'll bring you a little piece of paper I scribble on next time I see you. (laughs) All right, cool. I'll take a little piece of paper. Yeah, yeah, yeah. (laughs) Sure. So I also, before we jump into the meat of the episode today, I wanted to take a moment to acknowledge the fact that we have been doing podcasts. This podcast has been in in existence for over a year now. The very first episode was recorded September 27th of last year. And uh, here we are, a year later, still going. Wow. How's it? How's it feel to stick with it? You know, I uh, when when I started this, I wasn't sure where it would go, how long yeah. it would last. And you can ask James. There are many, 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 many times where I'm like, I don't want to do this this week. <laughs> <laughs> don't but say it's that. like he says every time we start. Uh, every time we get on the call, it's like, okay, yeah. I'm glad I'm here. I'm glad we're doing this. And it's just, it's fun to talk about Lorcana. And it's honestly, it's just a great way to get to know the community. Right. And what a year it's been, you know? Yeah, a, lot, a lot's happened. A lot has All happened. Of our, a year. Our, our lives have changed in small and big ways over the last year. 
I, I shared on Twitter today a memory from Spiel last year. Mm-hmm. That's where we learned the names of the inks. And like that was the type of news that we were <laughs> yeah. dying for at the time. Thirsty. Yeah. <laughs> Thirsting for it. You're totally uh, right. Yep. We've come a long way. And now I see it. Now I get, oh, panic. Okay, whatever. It's panic day. (laughs) I'm supposed to care about panic day. I'm already jaded. It was a, it was pretty clever though. Yeah. No, no, no. I'm not, I'm, I'm joking. I thought it was very cool. (laughs) So speaking of that, Eric, I wanted Mm -hmm. to take a moment to quote one of your recent articles because it kind of struck me. I'm kind of feeling the same thing. And Mm -hmm. this was kind of the topic of our uh, uh, podcast last week talking about FOMO. So this is what you wrote. I am just 26 cards away from completing my full playset of Disney Lorcanas, the first chapter. To break that down, I just need 10 rares and 16 legendary cards. And I'll have four of every card in the set, which will allow me to build any deck I could possibly want to build. Ultimately, my goal is to collect five of each. Uh, one hollow and four of each one, but four of each is my short-term goal. And all I really need in order to play whatever deck I choose as I near completion of my collection and look back on what it took to get here. I'm starting to wonder if I can keep this up for every Lorcana expansion going forward. So with that context, Mm. where, first of all, where's your collection at now? And how have your thoughts changed since you wrote this article? If they've changed at all. Uh, okay. So I, it hasn't moved. I've gotten some fifth copies of stuff, but I'm still those 26 cards away. Uh, I'm going to finish it. Obviously. Um, that would be a really weird (laughs) place to stop. Like, nah, you know what? Close enough. Uh, I'm going to finish it and I've got some wave two stuff pre-ordered. We can talk about that later, but, um, I just, I'm comfortable with uh, with what I've invested in Lorcana so far, and I think I talked about that in that piece as well. Like, yeah, you, know, you break the numbers down. It's the first chapter. It's it's Lorcana history. I was here at the beginning. Like, I I invested a lot, and I feel fine about it. I have I have no regrets about uh, my spending on this game at this point. Um, but at the same time, I'm you know I'm thinking about November. I'm thinking about January after that, and then May after that, or April, whatever. Like it's it's never going to stop, and I'm excited to be part of this game forever. I just don't know how hard I'm realistically going to go, and I don't have the experience with other games to base it on. You know, like we're all new. All three of us are first time like hardcore TCG players. All of a sudden. And a lot of your fans and a lot of the people that we talk to in the community are in the same boat. And it's just hard to imagine a year from now, am I still going to be going after five copies of every card? I, I kind of just don't think that's like super realistic for me. Um, and that makes me sad. Like I'm already a little bit mourning the cards I'm not going to have that I don't even know exist yet. I can 100% relate. I, uh, you know, I put up, it was my goal to collect four of every card. I'm not like you and James trying to collect five of each with the one hollow of each card. Yeah. I just wanted a set of four. And like, I'm so at peace with the fact that I've done it. And I was fortunate to draw a duplicate enchanted. And I was able to trade that for a lot of the legendaries that I needed. 
it was a lot of cash that I splashed, but I 100% relate with what you're saying because I feel the same way. Like going forward, I'm trying to think to myself, like, I know it's not sustainable long-term to get four of every card. And so I'm sitting here thinking to myself, I think I could be content if I have at least one of every card and then a playset of of the deck that I want to play or maybe of specific inks that I want to uh, like main or whatever. Yeah. And I think for, for me, and I know James is a little bit the same way. Um, I have a real problem committing to a deck or a color. I really don't want to be like, Oh, I'm this kind of player. You know, I don't want to just like pick a deck and run it. Um, I want to be flexible. I want to experiment. It's I'm having the most fun with Lorcana by building new decks all the time. And you need all the cards if you want to do that. Um, and I know that there's other people that are just like, I need a deck. Like, you know, Joe Parlock, uh, he plays Magic and he plays Lorcana and he builds a deck for each expansion. And that's the deck he plays and he doesn't collect. He just invests as much as he needs to, to build the deck he's going to play. And lots of people are like that. And I'm so envious of those people um, because I can't, I can't commit and it's not as fun for me to just play one deck. And I think James, you're kind of the same way. Yeah. I can't wrap my head around collecting something and not collecting everything. Right. So and, and then when you add in that it's a game where you have everything you collect is quite possibly something you would then play with or put in a deck at some point. I mean, obviously not certain cards because some some cards are just bad, right? Well, we've learned that. Um, mm-hmm. But just the fact that, you know, at any given time, you can grab two inks, four cards out of, of everything and just pull and put together a deck and play with it and make something. I can't, it just doesn't feel right if I can't do that with every card that's available. Right. <laughs> this yeah. goes back to the FOMO discussion last week, but with Amber being on the rise and seeing all these decks with Rapunzel in it. So for those of you who've been following along, when I had 16 cards left, four of them were Rapunzel. And every time I'd see like a meta breakdown or I'd see the top eight decks and there were there was an amber deck and they all run for Rapunzel's. I just had a huge pit in my stomach <laughs> at the fact mm. that I could not build that deck. So I totally relate with what you guys are saying. When I was a Hearthstone player, I was a Hunter player because that's the way that I could budget my game. I would like pre-order i'd open packs and then everything that wasn't green was dust and i used all that dust to make green cards um and it kept it mostly affordable for me but the the problem with playing that way is that when hunter meta is in the toilet i just didn't play the game like when an expansion came out if hunter didn't have good decks i wasn't playing hearthstone and i don't want to be in that position uh with Lorcana. I don't want to find out, oh, Emerald sucks this. It's kind of funny that I'm a green in both games. I'm a green guy. But yeah, I don't want to get to a point in two, three expansions where it's like, ooh, it's not a good time to be an Emerald player. And then maybe I'm not excited to play. Like I need lots of cards. But you know, that's that's the push and pull with TCGs, I get. Yeah, it's it's tough. It's definitely tough. I mean, 
I, I, I like you, I envy those people who can just build a deck and go out and play it every week and mm-hmm. just make sure that, that they're the best at that deck and that deck is the best that they can do and just go for it. And Unless that deck is Ruby Amethyst. Ruby Amethyst. <laughs> Amen. Then you can eat <laughs> the bane of our existence. <laughs> uh, so all of this about you know how we're going to collect and can we keep up just leads us right into what we're one of the things we're going to talk about this week. And that's the fact that Ravensburger announced that we are getting the set one reprint, but they then announced last week that it's getting moved up into the holiday season this year, instead of sometime in quarter one next year. And we're getting both set one and set two reprints at the same time, which is crazy news. So let's talk about that. How awesome is that? First of all, uh, uh, yeah, great news, obviously. Um, I think well, looking at the entire timeline, what that means is that we're going to get a big wave of product once a month um, because we're going to get the October dump this month, wave two, uh, which I, I, my understanding is that this reprint reschedule has nothing to do with the October uh, LGS refresh. That's still happening. Um, right. I'm not like officially confirming that, but that's what I've been led to believe. Well, uh, we've heard, we've heard already from a couple of people that work at stores or own stores that they already have their numbers coming in for what they're getting in October. They just beautiful. don't know exactly when in October. Okay, great. So, so yeah, so we've got our October refresh. We've got set to release in November, and then we've got the reprint in December. So we know every month we're getting Lorcana, and in September we didn't. <laughs> so like the game came out and then we had six weeks of nothing unless you were, were unless you happen to walk into a target and find seven troves, James. <laughs> uh, but but you, you know what I mean? Like knowing that there's going to be availability every month is makes such a difference because this because September was rough. September sucked. The game was yeah. new, everyone was excited, and there was nothing out there. And what was out there was getting picked up in in large chunks, uh, mainly for reselling. I would say, which does really not not make it feel good when you see all these pictures of large stashes of Lorcana. Right, and that's still going to happen, right? Like we of can't uh, we can't delude ourselves, like. It's, it's it's not going to be easy. It's just it's going to be better. Yeah, it's going to be better than how it's been. I think the hope for me is this circles back to how we started. Um, if there's product coming in October, and then there's a set one reprint, you know the hope the hope is is that it brings those single prices down. So then instead of paying sixty bucks for an Elsa, you're paying thirty bucks. I think. This game is more along the lines of Pokemon where you can get, you know, all the cards and maybe the alternate cards are more expensive. Uh, Maybe that makes it more feasible to collect four of everyone, unless you're one of those people that has to have like all the alternate art cards too. And then that's just another issue. But if you just want four of each card, Mm -hmm. um, if that's the direction that it's going, I think it would make it more feasible. Um, I think that that it it is sort of common sense to say well when there's more product out there then the prices will naturally go down um there'll be more people competing to sell which will 
raise the supply and lower the demand and people will be opening more packs and getting the cards they need and then they won't need to buy singles so there'll be lower demand that's common sense um one i think that there are some factors though that complicate it um if they do not after this december reprint if they do not indicate that there is more chapter one ever coming again then that's going to have a huge impact on the price of chapter one stuff i mean the the reprint will help in the short term but then if everybody knows for a fact that this is it that that's the end of the chapter one supply we can't expect the price of chapter one singles to go back down um until those cards aren't playable you know until they get power crept or rotated out um so that's one thing um secondly i think that the way um prices went up continuously is a probably a pretty strong indicator for how uh rise of the floodborne is going to go and maybe it would be wise to do your investing as early as possible you know for this first set i thought we got to wait till there's more product keep waiting for more product as more product comes the price will go down but it was so spaced out and now it's going to be over possibly in december that I wonder that I look back on when Rapunzel's were $35 that first week, you know, I, we look back in when Elsa's and everything else were half the price they are now. And I wonder if maybe you should just buy your singles immediately. I don't know. Yeah. That's a great point. I still kicked myself that I didn't buy Rapunzel's when they were $34. Cause I thought for sure, just like you, it was the day before the September one mass market release. And I was like, guaranteed when product hits the shelves, this card is going, going to go down in value, but instead it almost doubled. Yeah. The thing is we had no baseline. We didn't know what a card could cost, but now we do like, we know how much a card that's as, as um, collectible and powerful as Rapunzel is going to be. And when we find out what that set that card is in Rise of the Floodborne, it's going to cost as much as a Rapunzel, probably immediately. You yeah. know, we have a we have a floor now. So um, yeah, so it's a uh, it. You know, we had our first set, and now we have our first expansion, <laughs> right? And you know, in January we'll have our first second expansion. <laughs> So yeah, it's yeah. going to, it's going to take some time before we settle into any kind of rhythm or anything that's like predictable, anything that we can sort of like expect to happen with each set. Um, this one is going to be as, uh, as wild as the first one in a lot of ways, for sure. Agreed. Uh, okay. Great. So back to daily stocking targets. Oh God, <laughs> I can't do it anymore. It was, it really, that that made me miserable in a way I wasn't expecting, which made it worse. Like the, the despair of driving and like, cause you know, we live in Southern California. You, you don't, you don't head over to the store, you know, you go on a journey, you fight traffic. Like you, like you put yourself in harm's way. We're driving, <laughs> I'm driving around LA trying are to go target. Are you getting to ready to drop the ring in the volcano? <laughs> That's how it feels sometimes. <laughs> but yeah, man, I did some like, I, I would get into these situations where, you know, I would see a tweet the second it got published. Uh, they're stocking 
Carson target right now. And I'm like, that's 35 minutes away from me. I got to go. I'm the first person to see this tweet. I get there. It's too late. Well, there's nine targets between where I live and where I am now. So I might as well check all of them on the way home. And suddenly I've spent an entire day going to targets for nothing. And that happened to me like three or four times in September. Like I can't live my life like that. It was really miserable. Yeah, it's rough. I, uh, because of my job, I'm not able to go out and do a lot of these uh, big store huntings like you guys. So I missed out on that experience. But honestly, I'm not sad. Like thinking about Rise of the Floodborne, I'm sitting here telling myself either I'm going to get pre-orders or I'm just going to have to wait until it's widely available. Because honestly, I don't want to be that guy. Stand Like when I have gone to Target's, just to see what they have there. Uh, I almost feel what's the word I'm looking for? Like, I almost feel a little dirty when they're, yeah, when somebody's like, Oh, can I help you? What are you looking for? I'm like, Uh, just looking to see if you have any Lorcana. <laughs> like, you can tell they're like, Oh, you're one of those guys. Like, I <laughs> promise you, I haven't been here lining 12 people deep before. I just stopped in. That's what I want to say, but I'm just like, Okay, you thank bring you. Your I kids <laughs> So, um, going forward, we've heard over and over again that it's impossible to get unscheduled printing time from these TCG printing places. So, how do you think Robinsberger managed to to get this reprint upped earlier? Oh, I I can't even speculate on that. Um, when the TCG market really exploded during the pandemic, uh, and Pokemon was getting criticized so much for the 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 consequences of there not being enough product. Um, they bought their printer. <laughs> they said, we're going to print Pokemon cards from now on. And it's surprising to me that Magic doesn't do that already. Um, I know Magic has like four different companies that, that it prints with or something. Like it pretty much just like dominates the entire printing market in that way, right? It's just partnered with everyone. But, um, but, but it seems to me like if you want to be able to print the amount that's appropriate for your business, you need to be printing yourself. There's no other way around it. Um, but I don't know. I, I don't have any insight into that side of the business. And I don't think many people do. I think there's a lot of speculation about how printing works. Um, that's fair. This, I should have prefaced this would all be speculation. It is just I, so unusual because, you know, we've heard, again, speculation that these printing times are planned out months in advance. Yeah. And I have a hard time believing that another company just voluntarily gave their time up so that Lorcana, so that Robinsberger could print more Lorcana. Yeah, I don't know. I, yeah, I don't know. I it's just money. I think it's just they threw money at the problem. Or, or the printing houses are expanding. They're buying more equipment because there's higher demand. They can make more money if they can print more cards. Like everybody wants to make more money. Um, everybody wants to expand infinitely. And if the market is growing, then the, the, the printing businesses need to grow too. Yeah. If they weren't already running 24 seven, now they're running 24 seven. Who knows? Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's clear that. I mean, obviously the the demand was much higher than the supply, but what we don't know is how much higher. Like it my sense is they could have had 
double and we would have had the same problem. Like having double the amount of Lorcana in the world, I would feel the same way today, I think. I think we would be just as disappointed at the availability if there was twice as much out there. So I don't know. I don't know what it takes. Yeah, that's crazy to think about. Yeah. So last week, someone, one of the questions we answered was if we thought Rise of the Floodborne would be the Tickle Me Elmo of this year's Christmas season. (laughs) That's funny. How big That's such an old man question, dude. Right? <laughs> it was What's a big the deal it, back you... in the day. I remember that as a kid. <laughs> Shopkins? I don't know it, what it is. No. If, it was, if it was me, it would have been Cabbage Patch Kids. What about the right, kids? That right, was when right. I was a young. Um, yeah. So how big of an impact do you think the reprint will have? Uh, do you think that we'll actually be able to find Lorcana during the holiday season? No. <laughs> And you mean like, uh, like if we're comparing it to Tickle Me Elmo, I'm imagining this is when moms and dads are going out and being like, what's this Lorcana thing my kid keeps talking about? And they're like going to the specialty stores to try to get stuff. Um, no, it's going to be just the TCG people just doing all the pre-orders, ho- hopefully actually playing in events and getting product. Like, I don't think that, <laughs> I don't think that there's going to be anything available for just the uncle that wants to get something for their nephew for Christmas. Like, um, yeah, T my birthday was recent. Tina's sister is the sweetest. My partner is the sweetest woman on the planet. And she found, I think it was card addiction, uh, in orange or in Anaheim. I can't remember, but she found a starter deck for me and paid 35 bucks for it. Because she so doesn't sweet. know, they fleeced her, and and she's so nice. She would have paid fifty bucks for it. Like she just wanted to give me a birthday present. But um, yeah, I mean, if if there is, if that is an option for people, that's what's going to happen. It's going to be LGS is taking advantage of of people that don't know. You know, it honestly feels like if you played another card game and you weren't aware that Lorcana existed. It almost feels like you could go on your whole day without even knowing that, like your whole life, not even knowing that Lorcana was a thing because the product is never there. Just think about how many Target employees you've asked, like, oh, do you guys have any Lorcana behind the desk? And they've gone, what's that? They work at Target. They're faced with the resellers and the demand for Lorcana daily. And most of them have never heard of it. Like they're <laughs> in, they're in the the bullet fire of Lorcana. Like it should be unavoidable for them and they don't know what's going on. Like, no, this is not something that most people know about despite um, how desperate we're we're all to get our hands on it. In my line of work, I meet a lot of people and I had a, a target manager in today and I was talking to him, asking him (laughs) about Lorcana and what his experience was with it. He was like, I've never even heard of that. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) So wow. that does put people some that sell Lorcana don't know what it is. Imagine how little the rest of the world cares about this right and, now. And what that what that tells me is that if any significant number of people are asking their relatives for Lorcana for Christmas, that it will indeed ha- be a smaller version of Tickle Me Elmo because the people will be out there looking. They won't be able to find it, and they'll have to go to places like. Uh, local game stores, Facebook marketplace, somewhere where they can figure out where it is and pay yeah. 
the exorbitant prices, which is what was happening with all of these things that we've mentioned over the years, the, the Beanie Babies, the Tickle Me Elmos, the, the Cabbage Patch Kids, all of these things, they become this own, this, this big, massive holiday market. And I don't think Lorcana will be so widespread that it's like national news, but I think it'll be its own little microcosm of that thing that happens where there will be plenty of people going out there paying exorbitant prices for Lorcana for right. their family for, and friends for, for gifts. Yeah, I see where you're coming from. There's There are so many opportunities for Ravensburger to lean into that, though, and take care of... To, to alleviate the burden of that situation because it, it, we're creating a an artificial competition because of a holiday, right? Like holidays aren't real, right? <laughs> this is a social construct. It's just a thing that happens on a day that we all agree that we have to go buy presents for. It's not like a natural occurrence. So what we have is people that want to buy Lorcana to play that are regular players now competing with this new market of gift givers, right? Mm-hmm. And what they could do what Pokemon does, um, what lots of uh, commodities do is you create a holiday, you create a gift bundle, you create a holiday item, you create something low cost with low desirability with a basic promo card in it and one pack and you put a snowflake on it, right? You create a, um, uh, what's the thing where you open the doors? An advent calendar that's got a Lorcana card in every slot. Like you create this thing that, you can sell to the gift givers that's separate from the product that the players need to play their game. Um, and, you know, I, that's something that could be next year, years down the line or whatever, but that's such a, especially if expansions are going to be coming out in mid November, like they're going to need to do something like that to help uh, alleviate that stress. Cause it's, you know, it's not fun right now. It's going to be especially not fun when I'm, <laughs> when I have to compete with everybody's mom to get I mean, that might be the role the D one hundred gift yeah, set that's is supposed to fill. Yeah, the D one hundred. I think it's too collectible. Add, it's way too collectible. They need to print that into the ground. Yes, they need to make that thing just everywhere. They need to send 30, 40, 50 copies of that thing to every single store that is carrying Lorcana, not four. Yeah, not and it. It won't be like that, but what, yeah, in, in my vision, it's a low cost, like 30 is probably still too much. It would be, it would be 50. It'd be like a pack and a promo with a snowflake on it. Like, and it would be everywhere and it'd be like, okay, this, Oh, you want Lorcana? Check that off the list. Got it. Like, yeah. Um, that's what it needs to be. Those gift sets are, that's going to be crazy. That's going to be the most high profile Lorcana item that exists. Right. In in theory, it's just to me to me with it being just like the same six cards in every single gift set. There's nothing super rare about them. There's they're not numbered. They're not limited in the in the way that people think that they're limited editions. It's just I think people need to be smart about it and not give it that air of uh, super high collectible awesomeness that. It doesn't deserve. I mean, the cards are awesome. I mean, I'm not mm-hmm. saying anything about the actual product itself. I'm right. just talking about the way people are looking at it. At you know, the people that put it up on TCG Player immediately for like twelve hundred dollars. Sure, like, it's a fifty dollar gift set. That thing, even on the secondary market, that thing shouldn't be more than a hundred dollars. 
because it's yeah. just four packs and six cards that every single set has. Just look at the Mulan and Hades. It's the same exact thing. Those are $2 giant cards. You know, sure. double it because they're normal size. They're $4 they're playable. Cards, yeah. You know, so I mean, everyone should just take a step back and be like, yes, they're awesome, but they're not, you know, super limited numbered awesome. Right. And they're not, there's not a alternate art Rapunzel in there, you know? <laughs> yeah. It's got the three six Maleficent though, doesn't it? Yes. I mean, that's, yeah. Like I want, I want a play set of those. Uh, not that's the Maui the or the like Stitch. To. The rest of them are not. Oh, the the new Mickey could be, that could be a, that could, that might need to go in Amber decks. Yeah. Um, the rest of them. Yeah. You're totally right. They're just cards, but the, the three, six Maleficent and the Amber Mickey, those might be like playable. Those might be like, Oh, now I need to buy four of those <laughs> four of those collections. Yeah. So are those cards you would actually play? Cause on Twitter I'm getting, <laughs> I, yeah, why not? I, I put out there saying, you know, I, I at least want one of these and people like to play them. Right. And for me, I don't know. Those aren't cards that, just like I don't play my enchanted cards, I probably wouldn't play those cards. That's just a me thing. But is that like... Yeah, your enchanted cards are $300. <laughs> it's yeah, true. And, and you can't just go buy a box of them. These are going to be on a shelf. You can just buy a box of them, I hope. I mean, if you just take them out of the gift set itself, you pay $24 for the packs. That means you pay $26 for these six cards. That means they're basically 4 to $5 each, straight retail price. If you're going to be playing with Rapunzel's in your deck, why wouldn't you play with these? I mean, obviously, the Elsa might be worth $20 on the aftermarket, where the Maui's only worth $2. But I don't I don't think these are, like, Holy Grail-type cards. Put them in your deck if you want to put them in no, your deck. No, I don't right? think they're Holy well, Grail-type the, cards well, either. The thing is, these are our first retail promos. There's no other promo that you can buy. Right. You can win the OP kit ones. Like the the rest, you have to go to Germany to get, <laughs> or travel back in time to D twenty three. Like these are going to be the only promos that exist in a in a box in a product that you can go buy. But that box will be at every Target in America. We hope. right, yeah. So yeah, these are. Well, I'll, we I'll won't play ever with see these. it. It'll be there, but we won't ever see it. <laughs> <laughs> the only reason I don't play with promos is because I can't get them. I have one of every promo right yeah. now. Um, but these, I would, I would get four gift sets, and I would play a set of them. I might get five to put one in a binder too. I'm out of my you mind. Pay, you pay two hundred bucks to have a play set of each of these. Well, well you, you get, get the four packs too. Yeah, you get packs too. Well, you said you'd have a full play. Okay, I see what you're saying. Yeah, I'm not gonna buy these singles. <laughs> I'm gonna buy them. I'm not gonna buy them to to get four of everything because they are promos. So I'm not going to consciously buy five or six or whatever it is to have, you know, one put away and then one in my playset binder. But if gift sets are the only thing that I can find at any given time, I'm going to buy more gift sets for the cards, for the for the packs. Just like in set one. Yeah. Just like in set one. I mean, that's just the way it's going to go. Yeah. Man, we are the problem, aren't we? <laughs> I only yeah. foresee myself buying one of the gift sets. That's uh, reasonable. I also don't <laughs> see myself playing the cards and like the the promo cards, and I don't. I think, you don't. You I'm don't think that Amber Mickey's playable? It. You don't what? think that Amber Mickey might be playable? Oh, I think Amber Mickey is definitely going to be playable. I I don't know. Part of the other thing with me too is I like uh, uniformity, so uh, I like my cards to look the same. I guess and okay. 
the idea of having not only is it a different art from the other cards, but like the card design itself is different from the rest of the cards. Do and that you... bothers me. Okay. I have a serious question. Do you play foils in your deck? Uh, yeah, I do play foils. Oh, okay. Then you're lying right now. <laughs> <laughs> it's, look, okay. the, the design is the same. It's just the foiling. It's different. This is just a different kind of foil. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Completely yeah. different art. Yeah, it's completely different. That even the even the 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 design stuff is in a different place, right? The the text and all that. No, isn't it? No, they're the same layout, same format. Oh, right. Yeah, they're just. They've got that full art transparency right. that goes down into the text. That's all right. The layouts are exactly the same. All right. Let's let's move on to the next discussion all right. here. So I ran a poll on Twitter asking people if their local Lorcana scenes have increased or decreased. And the surprise the results were surprising to me. Um mm-hmm. I- I'm just curious, what what do you guys think? What what do you think? Do you think there's been an overall increase or decrease? Um, I have a lot of thoughts on this. James, do you want to start? Yeah. Uh, so I've played at four stores semi regularly. And four? Four. Uh, four? Atomic, Kingslayer, Shuffle and Cut, and Psycho <laughs> I erased Atomic from my brain. All right. <laughs> sorry. Go on. And with the exception of, actually, I think it, I think Kingslayer and Shuffle and Cut both have kept pretty much the same number. Kingslayer got seen like goes cut. down because they went they cut like the number of tickets they sold right from like forty to thirty six right. Um, but they still sell out. Yes, and they still have a wait list. And they still have a wait list. Yeah. Shuffle and Cut's been full every single time we've gone. In fact, that one sells out like an hour before it starts. It's been getting worse. Yeah, yeah. because they only do in person signups. Atomic went down a little bit. Um, but they were still, when I last played there, they were still getting like 20 people when they, or somewhere between like 15 and 20 people when they had a max of 24. Right. It was Psycho always Turtle, low anyway. Yeah. And Psycho Turtle was always getting 20 because I didn't go there at the beginning. So I don't know what they had at the beginning, but yeah. they were sitting around the same every week I went there. Right. So none well, of them that we were going to are really decreasing significantly and most are holding steady. Well, maybe it's just me and my experience. I go to two local stores here. The one the first week I went, there was like 32 people. And the last several weeks, it was like 16. And then the other place, I didn't start out there. I've only been there a couple times the last couple weeks. And uh, it's been about, again, like 15, 16 people. But when I ran the poll, there has been 353 people who voted. And I put in an option of you guys had a local scene uh, just for people who (laughs) wanted to participate but probably lived somewhere that Lorcan isn't being sold. So that had the highest vote count of 39%, but I'm just going to like disregard that. So 37% say that their local scene has increased. That surprised me. Uh, 16% say that it has decreased by less than 50%. And 8% said that has increased or sorry, decreased by more than 50%, which would be like my case. Um, I was just surprised that it has increased overwhelmingly from the people who voted. So, uh, I don't, I think those people are lying only because you can't increase above the maximum number of players. Like how, what is their, 
what are they basing an increase on if they show up and it's full and then next week it's full and then the next week it's full how are they determining that it's increasing okay, do you know what i mean this isn't scientific i, guess, <laughs> I, I just think point. i think they don't want to i think they they see a poll like that and they don't want to be like oh, they're kind of dying already and they're like no 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 it's getting more popular that's my that's what you, my gut tells me so but I, I'm just saying if my, all my stores are full, I have no way of determining if they are increasing or decreasing because they're full. How, how can the, how can the, how can it be growing if there's no more spots for people to play? I think like in my experience, like with the store I used to play at power nine, I don't think they had a cap. Like I think they would have been willing to lot as much room as, as was demanded. Well, the and fire the department determines the cap. Well, okay, we're not going to have 500 <laughs> people in there. Right? But if we started with 32 and 50 people wanted to play, I think they would have accommodated that. Well, you know what? That's not true because they did have a league pass. But people could I, also come and pay week by week to play. So I don't know. Okay, that's a flawed question. My experience has been that more people will go where prizes are available. The stores that are the most popular are the ones that have the most packs available. But even at my stores where they are out of stuff, people are still showing up to play. They're still showing up to get promos and pins. Um, and I'm seeing more regulars. I think that early, the first two, three weeks, I saw lots of different people all the time. And now I see the same people every time. But the games are still full. It's just we're we're settling on who's going to be showing up every week, and that's that's just at the ones where they're basically out of product or they're only uh -huh. like one pack. But even just last week on the final day that uh, Shuffle and Cut was going to have product until the until the restock, um, I I talked to multiple people who had barely gotten any product and had barely played the game and didn't even have more than like a starter deck with a few cards. And they were still showing up from like, they drove from like up in LA somewhere, mm. come down to this just to have a chance to be able to get a little bit of product. And so there are people who are out there hunting for places to play and still hunting for product. So I think that the whole it's growing thing Maybe a little bit because people are seeing those people come around, right? More people asking about it and more people showing up where if someone drops off because they can't make it this week, that spot is filled by someone different. And so the it's still full. It's full with different people in some weeks. You know, we're seeing different right. people show up at, at the same place because we've been there every single week. And so I think that, yeah, I think the game is 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 definitely holding. Uh, it's just the the amount of product that's the problem. It's it's always we're always talking about it. It's the product, yeah. not the people. People are loving this game. People want to play this game. Yeah, and I think there's a natural cycle that happens when in a brand new game from from people I've talked to that play different games. They come to Lorcana, they want to try it out. Some people it's for them, and some people it's not. And so people are falling off the game uh, right away. But then more people are learning about it. More people are getting exposed to it my brother came out to visit ne had never played a game we played all weekend and then by the time he left he was calling his stores to find out who was running events and 
you know, we're all ambassadors for the game and we're all exposing more people to it. And a certain percentage of those people are going to become fans who aren't fans already. So there is always going to be a churn um, of people coming and going, but there's uh, there's certainly no fear that the game is already falling off. Certainly no. Not. And it's that was just, the main behind the question. I, no, I'm. I don't think so. I'm saying that's how people might w- would interpret when they saw a poll like that. I didn't. I. I'm not suggesting that that's what you were getting at. Yeah, because in my mind, like, because I only have my experience, and I attribute the decrease to the lack of product availability. Mm-hmm. I mean, because I, I see some of them, they're there the same night playing Magic, and they're like, "Well, I enjoyed Lorcana." Some of them say, but magic's my first love. But a lot of them say, I just am tired of using starter decks and getting beat by people with these Ruby Amethyst control decks. Right. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah, I see. I, I play against people um, with bad decks. And my first instinct is like, why did, why did you build such a bad deck? And then I realize that's the, all the cards you have. I am an incredibly privileged person who has more cards because, you know, I got to go to Gen Con and whatever. I, I get, I get to spend more time going to stores because my job is flexible. Um, but I play with people all the time that have opened 10 packs. They've opened, they've gotten a pack a week going to their store and they're still building out their starter decks. Yeah. It's, it's again. Yeah. We're, we're very privileged in, in to be able to have gotten to, buy as much product as we have and like it's crazy seeing it but you know those people that i saw last weekend where you know i have those troves a trove full of commons and uncommons that i I take every time in case someone's asking for something Mm -hmm. the fact that i was able to give them like cards that we probably have thrown away maybe like you Mm -hmm. know smash or something I gave them extra copies of Smash and a few other things in the colors that they were building, and they were so happy to get cards. I'm like, yeah, just take them. And it's yeah. like it it's it's like that whole thing of like people just want cards to play with, and yeah. you know that's all they want. They just want to be able to play the game. I the last game I played in, we all got one pack. I opened my pack. My rares were a Moana and a Steal from the Rich. And just some uncommon hollow. And I just handed my pack to the guy across the table. And he was like, what? What are you doing? Like, he didn't trust me. He thought I was I was being weird. <laughs> you know, like trying, I was trying to do some kind of weird thing. But I was like, I literally just don't want any of these cards. <laughs> That's where I'm at right now. First and, world. Uh, uh, and he's at a completely different place with the game. All right. So let's talk about this little little nugget here in the uh live laugh lorcana podcast katie and becky were talking about the new player experience with lorcana and one of the questions uh that they were they asked and then we're talking about was they were wondering about this idea of throwing a game for new players uh like uh-huh. you intentionally lose to a new player to give them a good experience right uh, and i thought that was pretty interesting uh and where do you fall on that subject uh, that is interesting. So um, my pal, uh, Joshua Yell at IGN, he says you always let them win the first game. 
no matter what. If he's teaching somebody Pokemon, that's his main game, or Lorcana now. Uh, if he's teaching someone the game, he lets them win the, the first game. Uh, and I adopted that from him when I teach people uh, because, uh, well, simply, I, just, I want them to have a good experience. I want them to see a game through to the end. I don't want their first experience with the game to be, I'm bad at this. Um, and I want them to like it. And is it like manipulative? Yeah, for sure. But if they actually don't like the game, they'll find out themselves pretty quickly. Um, I, if I'm just going to play one game with them, I think, I think it's pretty innocent to, uh, to throw. I do. I, I do it every time. Yeah. I, so I was listening to their podcast and I had some thoughts on this because this is a discussion my wife and I have all the time because uh we like to play games lots of games she doesn't like Lorcana, but we play board games card games and she is very competitive <laughs> she's like if the kids win a game i want them to know that they've earned the game <laughs> and yeah. then i'm coming up sounds like ryan <laughs> i'm coming at it from the perspective of i want my kids to have fun i want them to keep coming back you know i've gone through streaks of playing different games you know throughout the years where I get beat over and over and over and over. Cause like I said, she's very competitive and it's like almost not fun anymore. Right. And conversely too, when I go on runs where I'm winning over and over and over again, like she gets really upset <laughs> <laughs> and, and then she'll refuse to play. Like uh, we played um, Mario Kart and she refused to learn how to use the drift function mm -hmm. and i i learned the drift and i started winning every game she would not play again for six months that's how long mm -hmm. it took to convince her to play with me so in my experience i like for the new players and for especially for like kids i enjoy letting them win i want them to have a good experience and i want them to come back right you know john t likes to say that fun is a zero-sum game uh but that mentality takes for granted that winning is the only way to have fun and playing a game with someone I like and, and um, exposing them to something that is special to me is fun. I don't need to win. And I also don't think that everybody has uh, the same competitive spirit that your wife does. Uh, and you need to make space for all types of players uh, in this game. And, um, you know, the the stores that run leagues that aren't fiercely competitive are are running their events in the spirit that the game is intended. That's that's how, you know, Ryan Miller sold this game before it came out. That's how he described what organized play would look like. Um, and I think that that at this stage, at this early stage, that's good and healthy uh, despite how much of a tryhard I am and how much winning is important to me and how much I hate losing to Ruby Amethyst decks, I think that um, sort of separating the communal player value of the game from the competitive value of it is really important. I think it's an important thing to keep in mind. Teaching someone the game, I think, is different than when you're sitting down at uh, a Lorcana event that you've paid money for. And the person is like, I'm new. I have a starter deck. And you're like, okay, I'm not going to let you win, but I'm <laughs> definitely not going to beat you in four turns. You know, you 
definitely alter your play style a little bit for someone like that, where you try and uh, let them get a taste of the game more than just getting stomped because they don't have a right. deck. So I think that's definitely a factor as well. Uh, but yeah, if you're teaching someone, yeah, why wouldn't you let them win or at least get a taste of what it's like to win over a few games, even if they don't win every single one? Uh, you know, because yeah, why teach them, have them, let them have fun with the game. I mean, winning is fun when you're learning a game. It it helps you to to you know have that that good feeling going forward. Makes you want to play some more. Yeah, why would you want to play a game that you've already decided you're bad at? Yeah, nobody nobody wants to do that. Yeah. All right, let's moving to our ending segments here. Let's uh, start with Lorcana Lexicon, and this is one that you'll probably see in print more than um, people talking about it, but it's BO1 versus BO3, which essentially means best of one versus best of three uh, when you're in a competitive format. And the thing that brought this to my mind was there's a store here in Las Vegas that is going to start running Lorcana tournaments for the first time. And it said that the games, the tournament style was going to be BO1. And so I thought if people weren't, familiar with the terminology they may not know what bo1 means mm-hmm. um on that same thread i don't understand like x and one i know it means i was i won all my games except one but just say how many games that is like why what oh. is the x just just if you won four games and say four and one what does that mean am i missing something yeah <laughs> If uh, you know the answer to this, please yeah. post it in the comments. Yeah, because, yeah. I mean, if I won four games, I'm going to brag that I won four games. Say four. Yeah, I, it's like it might have something to do with, like, qualifying. Like, the X is how many games I needed to win to qualify for top eight or whatever. So I say X and one instead of four and one so that you know that I won enough. But I'd want to know how many games you won. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. I haven't seen much of that, but I also am not paying that close of attention to all those different um, oh, people on Twitter use that terminology all the time. Right. Yeah. I don't really get that, but I'm a noob. Yeah. Uh, we did get uh, in the last week, a pretty good amount of news. Uh, first up we've got, well, Donald, the musketeer promo is going to be uh, yeah. given out at spiel in Germany uh, as Jared mentioned it was where we got the ink names for the first time. And now we're going to finish our Musketeer set. Uh, so good luck, everyone, getting a promo being handed out in Germany. I wrote about regional promos. And I don't, I don't, it's not, I don't have an inherent bias against regional promos. I just, I kind of don't think that they're doing what a promo ought to do. They're not incentivizing you to do something they're just a reward for the people that were already going to do that thing nobody's going to spiel to get that the people that are going to spiel get that right and i and no one is flying to germany to get that card because no matter how much it is and it's probably going to be 200 bucks on ebay that's cheaper than a ticket to germany and into the convention like I think that they're, you're just creating this sort of unhealthy secondary market when you say, oh, the 10,000 people that went to this event in this country can have this thing for free. I just, 
I have some problems with regional. And at, by the same token, when I get to show up at Gamescom and get the promo, I'm psyched about it. So I I can acknowledge the cognitive dissonance there, but there's something about regional promos that kind of uh, is rubbing me the wrong way. And now that we've had two in Germany, I'm like, okay, is this going to be how it is? Yeah, are we always going to be get, trying to get promos from Germany for forever since Rob yeah. is based there? Yeah. I thought it would be EGX. Why isn't it EGX? What is, I don't even know what EGS is. That's like, do we even know what EGX is? EGX is a is a big London game convention. Oh, no, they're doing, that's the other news, was uh, it looks like they're doing a promo at London MCM. Right. At which the is comic another, convention. Yeah, the comic convention. Not the game one. Which is going to be, we don't know which promo technically, but uh, Lorcana player uh, posted about it. They found the uh, the post in the tournament center, and it looks like there's going to be a Gaston promo. Right. Maybe more than one promo. We don't know. And they all have, it's like there's a scavenger hunt, and you can go by the booth and learn gameplay to get it. We don't know. There's more information coming probably at some point, but we do know Dude. that is having a promo and it's probably going to be guest on and there might be more than one. Yeah. Uh, promos aren't a big deal unless you have goopy goblin collector brain like me and James. <laughs> um, Horrible. It's really, I'm not mad about it. I'm not going to like cause a fuss. It's just, it doesn't, it doesn't feel good when all these cards come out of Germany and I go, well, you know, I guess I'm going to pay somebody that doesn't even care about Lorcana 200 bucks for this because they happen to be in Germany. Like, right. It feels bad. We'll see. Next. <laughs> Next. New cards. <laughs> I'm fired up now. Oh, new cards. Yeah. Yeah. So first up uh, is Mulan. Uh, I'll take this one. Mulan is in Ruby. It's the image that's on the uh, sleeves and deck box. Yeah. Uh, it's an uninkable four cost, four, three with one lore, and it has rush. And that's pretty simple. How come it feels like this card came out three weeks ago? right i know um okay so okay so this uh you know this easily threatens two fours and um we have a couple two fours that are kind of nasty so you know this takes out mad hatter and gets to stick around this takes out jasper uh which is really good uh obviously it's like whatever against kuzco uh so it's i deem it fine it's fine probably not playable but if i got it in a sealed i'd probably run it i'd probably run it yeah the uninkable makes it tough to want to include mm-hmm. in your deck yeah all these rushes are uninkable aren't they all of them except for maui yeah. i think they're maui all for some reason and he has mm-hmm. reckless and rush yeah boy we didn't know how incredible that card was nope <laughs> All right, next up we have a three-cost action on Emerald called Hypnotize, and it features Ka from the Jungle Book. And I love the art on this card. Um, So it says, each opponent chooses and discards a card, draw a card. Um, And I know a lot of people are trashing this because it's a three-cost, but I'm just saying, if you're playing Emerald, you play Flynn turn two, Turn three, you sing Sudden Chill, play Hypnotize, and uh, your opponent has very few cards left in hand. And if you're on Amber, turn four, play You Have Forgotten Me. Woo! 
Yeah, that'd be nasty. I think that this is core until we get better draw options in Emerald. I mean, we're we're leaning on Mad Hatter to do all of our work, and it's just so easy to cancel. Um, yeah, I think this is going to be a, a core card until we have better options, and also we need to start thinking about the um, the cost mitigation that Emerald has around action cards, which we can get into more when we look at the next card. Uh, but I think we're going to start seeing some more action-focused Emerald decks going forward, and Hypnotize will fit nicely into that. And, and let's not forget that they have done a few times now where there's an action card with a name like Hypnotize or Dragonfire or yep. Fan the Flames where there's a character card with that same action and ability built into yeah. a character that makes it that character that much better. Right, yeah. Um, it, it's hard to imagine that what that might cost because i think about like ursula which lets you draw a card and uninkable seven it also takes a lore from them but like if you were going to have a ka that let you draw a card and make them discard it would have to be at least an uninkable seven you know um that's a that's an expensive card unless it just doesn't have that three lore true yeah it might just have a really big body uh, and you know, one lore, it could have bodyguard. Who knows? We'll find out someday. Yeah. And next up, uh, we have, uh, they revealed one of the four cards that we already saw part of on the OP kit, the Minnie Mouse Wide-Eyed Diver, the four uh, cost inkable, two, three are the stats, and it is Floodborne with one lore, shift two, and evasive, and the ability Undersea Adventure is whenever you play a second action in a turn, this character gets plus two lore this turn. So it's a really good ability, but it is like very specific on usage. And so it's not something I think that you build around, but if you happen to have it ha happen on your turn, extra lore. Yeah, this one's been really funny to watch the reactions to because it reminds me a lot of pre-release when every card was the best card ever and every thing was like magical christmas land like the best draw to activate it and i'm seeing people be like oh by turn three and you play two actions and it's like people are imagining spending seven cards to get to turn three to quest for three like um the, it's really fun to think about the different interactions you can do with this thing um it's certainly not broken i had to respond to somebody no no shade to whoever it was but they were like saying this card was broken and i was like anything that dies to smash is not broken <laughs> let's let's calm down a little bit you know I'll, I'll say this i think it's better than a lot of people think it's going to be but i don't think it's going to be broken either like i think it's going to find a niche deck that will make it run you know probably as effective as Tomatoa does in an item slinger deck. Like when it works, it's going to work well, but it's not something that's going to break the game. Yeah. James and I were trying to imagine some like hyper aggro, really low to the ground, Ruby Emerald evasive decks that were like just evasives and actions and some fun things that you could do with songs and some fun things that you could do with Dr. Facilier's cards and do it again. And just sort of like trying to do action loops the way that uh, Amber people have been doing Hades loops, you know? Um, and I think there's something there, 
but I also have been seeing people come up with like, like I, it's fun to imagine what kind of unplayable cards today could be activated by a new card in the next set. That's one of the best things about spoiler season, but people are like, Oh, artful rogue is coming up to the top. The stupid eight cost genies finally going to get used. It's like, I, I don't think this, two three evasive mini is going to turn on all these cards that are bad i just <laughs> i don't i don't think this is the core of your your suddenly action uh high cost action deck i just don't i'm not seeing it why you gotta why you gotta rain on people's parades here, <laughs> it is fun it is fun to imagine but just pointing out a card that has action synergies and being like here we go like that's i don't think that's enough i don't think Genie Powers Unleashed is suddenly playable because Minnie wants you to play two actions. Yeah. No, sir. Uh, and I, I heard on a different topic, the art is is really nice on this, but I heard yeah. someone say it kind of gives someone, gives them like steampunky vibes. And I'm like, no, this totally <laughs> gives me Iron Man vibes. This is like <laughs> Iron Man underwater. It's also like um, uh, Journey. It's like, it's like Jules Verne, right? She's yeah. got this uh turn of the century uh aesthetic it to me it looks like she's swimming towards ursula's uh little little creepy shell cauldron thing right yeah yeah Yeah, so it'd it'd be nice to find out that this one because she has no lore or uh you know what i mean she has no flavor text right so it'd be cool to see if this one ties into some story stuff we'll see we shall see all right, so the last card we have is also an emerald it's funny we went from ruby emerald to ruby emerald it's yeah. a three-cost, uninkable, uh, panic, underworld imp, uh, Hades sidekick. He's two strength, three willpower. He has the ability, I can handle it. When you play this character, chosen character gets plus two willpower this turn. If the chosen character is named Pain, he gets plus four willpower instead. Strength. Has, yeah, strength. Sorry. He has two lore, which makes it nice. Um, this makes me think we're going to get a one or two cost pain that is probably like a two five body or something like that. Otherwise, I don't see how this makes sense. The ability. Yeah. Uh yeah. So we hope we hope uh pain has rush, right? Yeah. And you, yeah. Get, and you can play them together. Um otherwise, you know, the flatsome jetsome thing's not really that useful. This is cheaper. So it's interesting. Uh, I don't think this replaces Cheshire. I don't. Um, I can see why somebody would say that. It's got the combat trick. It's more. It's more. Uh, it's faster than Cheshire. Cheshire's slow. Um, but uh, yeah, I don't. Unless, unless the pain panic combo is really over the top, I don't think this uh, replaces Cheshire in my opinion. But. I love the uh, the way that we're going to get uh, some little montage art here, maybe even like a triptych. If you can put a new Hades in between them and have pain and panic on the on either side, that will be really cool. That would be cool. Yes, the art's really nice on this. And you can tell that that's the the flowing bits of the bottom of Hades' robe there on the yeah. right side of the art. So yeah, that's why we're all considering that this is going to be multiple cards having a connection here yeah definitely pain but hopefully all three of them all right i think that was it for the news right i think so 
And that means we're on to Disney trivia. Woo. Oh God. And and we're going to test test Eric again. I'm really bad at this. You guys are you guys make it hard though. I'm We've not, given you I'm tough not gonna questions. Beat myself up. <laughs> All right, for 100, this is the name of the fish that Lilo thinks controls the weather in Lilo and Stitch. <laughs> well, that's not hard, but first I have to ask 100 what? We're playing Disney Jeopardy. I know James said Disney trivia. 100 points. Okay. Well, obviously, it's P- Pudge controls the weather. Who is Pudge? Eh. Just <laughs> yes. We'll give it to you. Flood um, Pudge. For 200. This is what Lilo feeds Pudge in order to keep the weather under control. A peanut butter sandwich. Correct. For 300, this is the Disney Lorcanic card that features Pudge the fish. Uh, it's Stitch something surfer. Carefree surfer. There you go. Are you sensing a theme here? <laughs> yeah, you've made easy ones that I would definitely know, and I appreciate it. For 400... This is Walt Disney's brother who co-founded Disney Brothers Cartoon Studios in 1923. Roy Disney. Ding, 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 ding. And I will point out the Walt Disney Corporation or whatever this one was, was founded on October 16th, which is my birthday. So Whoa. just saying. A Disney uh, baby. For 500 here. This is Walt Disney's middle name. <laughs> Uh man, I thought I was gonna finally get them all. You know Walter... this, Walter. Walter G. Disney. E. No. E. Think about something at Disneyland or okay. DCA. Okay. And it's a thing that starts with an E, and it's at Disneyland or California Adventure, and it's an electric light parade. Walter and Electric Light Parade Disney. <laughs> it's it's the store at the end of uh the, ah, end of the, the store. Yes. The store at the end of the street is an Etney's. It's an Etney. It's I think isn't it his father's name or his grandfather's name as well? Oh, Grandpa Elvis. <laughs> Walt Elvis? Walter Elvis? Darn right. it. It's <laughs> Uh, what is Elias? Walter Elias Disney. Elias. The store's called Elias? It's, a, it's Elias and Sons, I think. Huh. I never knew that. Or something. Or Elias. What is it? It's that fancy store at the end of the, with the uh, Elias and Company. Okay. Yeah. Oh, man. I thought, I thought you were going to get it. I, I thought so, too. You can blame me. I, I'm the one who came up with these questions. I'm like, let's throw them three softballs and then, <laughs> and then get a little bit into Disney here to, to test his knowledge. Those were good, good, good questions. All right, let's wrap this up. Eric, if people want to find you, where can they find you? Can I plug? What yes. day is this coming out? Friday. Perfect. Please read my Pixelborn expose. Me, oh. me and Pavel, Mr. Pixelborn himself. We sat down, we got into it, we talked for two hours. It's a big one. It's a big, meaty boy. And I would really appreciate if everyone would read it, especially if you like Pixelborn. Uh, it's a great piece, if I do say so myself. And Pavel's the best. He um, really is. 
You'll love him even more after you read this thing. I really would like everybody to check this one out. It's on The Gamer. Yeah, I got to hang out with him at Gen Con. I don't yeah. know how much he hung out with him there, but just the fact that he came out from Bulgaria and for no he other is... reason than to to be a part of the zeitgeist of the moment of Lorcana coming out. Yeah. And he's just like the nicest person. So I am the really sweetest, most forward. humble guy. He's had such an interesting life. And um, I hope Pixelborn lives forever. So please check out this story. Um, I think it's I think it's a really interesting one for Lorcana fans. I, I want a sneak peek. <laughs> okay. I'll wait till Friday. <laughs> So if you liked what you heard here, you can follow us on YouTube. You can subscribe to us on the podcasting platform of your choice. If you want to follow me on Twitter, you can follow me at Citizens of Lorcana. And James, finish us off. Uh, you can find me everywhere online at Dan Regal. And you can check out GeekShotPhoto.com for links for my wife and I, photography, social media, all that kind of stuff. And uh, thank you all for listening. And we'll see you next time. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.